Whose idea was this anyway? It was podcast moving day last week, and the EdTech Loop Pod is happy to now be hosted by Podbean. However, all the archive shows did not make it through the move. So over the next few weeks before the school year begins, I plan to post some of our most popular past episodes, starting with the very first Bibliotech podcast featuring local writer and illustrator Brianne Farley. Please excuse the poor audio quality. We hadn't dialed in the studio or the editing yet, but the interview is too good to not have on the feed. And as always, thanks for listening and inspiring. My name is Steffi Light, and I am in the TCAPS Elementary Libraries, and this is Brianne Farley, and she is an author and illustrator and a local um, Traverse City Area Public Schools alumni. So we're going to chat today. Fancy meeting you in this How's your water? school. It's delicious. It's coffee shaped. Mm. Um, so, Brianne, I'm curious to hear yeah. about um, how sort of your background, your educational background, yeah, and career, what your career path has been, mm-hmm. um, and if you want to look, you know, in, when I say educational background, you come back into elementary school. You have to hear about. <laughs> Um, sort of the experiences you had in elementary school, how those have carried along with you in terms of how you ended up in the career that you're in. Okay. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I started, um, well, when I moved up here to Traverse City when I was seven and I started at Old Mission okay. and we live actually right, my parents live right behind Old Mission and uh, yeah, it was great. And that's like the world's best playground. I think when I did, uh, when I first did a visit at Old Mission with my book, that's like all I talked to the kids about afterwards. I was like, tell me about your playground. Is it the coolest? Is the pond still haunted? And they were like, no. And I was like, it is still haunted. And now they're scared of their pond. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Um, Brian told us the pond is haunted. Yeah, exactly. It must be true. Uh, yeah. So I went to Old Mission and then, um, and then I went to the Talented and Gifted program at, uh, Central. And then, yeah, and then I went to East and to Central High School. And when did you graduate? I graduated in 02. Yeah, yeah. I was the first class after the split. Okay. Yeah. So one year after the split. Yeah, yeah, one year after the split. And, um, and then I went to McAllister College, actually on the recommendation of my um, principal, uh, Mr. Townsend. Mr. Townsend, yeah, his daughter yeah, was, was there. there. Yeah, yeah. So, and he had, funny enough, been my principal since uh, elementary school. He, oh, interesting. He kept moving up as I graduated. And so, yeah, he had been my principal forever. And then he's like, also, <laughs> go to college here. <laughs> so, and then he had, he promoted your book for you. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now he's my publicist. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great person. He is great. He's so great. Um, and then after McAllister, I... Uh, what was I, your focus there? Oh, I, uh, I went there for English. I, like, knew... That I wanted to be an editor, okay. and um, so I went for English, and then and I really loved art, but I thought that for some reason I had this idea that if I made art my career, I would hate it, okay. like like this 
like the pressure of having to make something would make me not like it anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, I really loved reading. I loved books as a total bookworm growing up. And uh, and so I knew I wanted to be an editor. And then I went off to New York my junior year of college and did an editorial internship and totally hated it. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I really hated it. And um, what do you think it was? Did you find it too technical or too, was it the work was Monday? Like, what do you know what it yeah, was? Yeah, I got, well, I think part of it is that I was at a very small publishing house. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the, I had like a little bit of a different view of what editing was than what I saw at this house and which actually is probably not very accurate. It's like how other houses edit, but um, yeah, it was like, it was a little too mundane. It was, I thought that I was going to be like in the trenches with the writers, like helping them, like, what if you used, mm-hmm. you know, this other word here and, uh, and that's not what it was at this house. So, Did you have much contact with authors in that? No, no, no not at hard. all. Yeah, it ended up being this very, I mean, it was like an internship. They were like, you know, like, organize our computer. <laughs> so I was like, this is what editing is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so then I, uh, I was an art minor, and then I went down to Chicago and was working at the Art Institute there okay. as an administrative assistant. Okay. Did you like that experience? I really did. Yeah. That was a great job. Um, it, uh, the best part about it was that you could take classes for free at the school of the art Institute. Yeah. So I started taking more art classes and then I did a residency and, um, and then was like, why aren't I doing this as my job? I should really, should really make that happen. So I applied for grad school and went to SCAD for illustration. And SCAD is the Savannah College of Art and Design okay. in Georgia. In Georgia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And your focus was illustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And had that been your interest, um, would you say? Did you find that interest when you were in Chicago? No, I, well, a little bit. I had um, grown up loving Roald Dahl and Quentin Blake. And I'd actually, when I was at TAG, we had to write a speech every year that when I grow up, do they still do that? I don't know if they still do that. We'll have to find out. They should, because it tells you what you want to be when you grow up, because that's what I wrote my speech about. So I was like, I want to be Roald Dahl and Quentin Blake. And then Combined into one. Totally are. Yeah. Although I guess the year before I said I wanted to be Benjamin Franklin and that didn't pan out. So <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. Still time. There's still time. Yeah. So to be a founding father, um, <laughs> it could still happen. Uh, yeah. So I said that that's what I wanted to do. So I um, I think that that kind of stuck with me. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So as an illustrator, do you focus in a certain medium? Or are you, explain that, like what, what would an illustrator, um, what would that look like? Like what classes did you take and what kind of a focus in your art education did you have? Well, um, I I I think I left out um, knowing that I was interested in children's books going into it. because I was able to kind of tailor my graduate experience toward children's books. And uh, actually, my first book was a homework assignment in grad school. Really? Yeah, I took a class called Directed Projects, which is basically a 
it's like a uh, directed free-for-all. Like you pick a project that you want to do over the course of the whole semester. And um, and it has to be a series of some sort. Some people did um, like branding. Like they um, made up a brewery and branded like, you know, made several different kinds of beer labels or okay. something. And, uh, and I picked doing a, a kid's book and... And did that become Ike? Yeah, and that became Ike's Incredible Ink. That's really amazing. Yeah, isn't that funny? Yeah. Do your homework, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So that was what year of school? Were you, how long had you been in Savannah? That uh, that, it's a two-year program, and that was the first quarter of my second uh, year there. So from that homework assignment, that, yeah. how did it get from there? to the published book? Oh, gosh. Uh, like, a combination of super hard work and crazy good luck, I guess. <laughs> like, anything in life. Um, I uh, kind of hit the ground running with this project and got... Uh, I was able to finish the entire book in the whole... in 10 weeks. Okay. So, and you, we were only supposed to do three interior spreads and a cover. And I was, I don't know, a crazy person was like, I'll do all of it. And uh, so, which ended up being great because uh, I had, so Peter Brown, who's a author illustrator, uh, he was coming to SCAD to give a presentation. And then at the same time, I knew that my friend Ryan, who I was in grad school with, had a friend, Pete, who was coming to town. And I didn't realize that these were the same person. <laughs> and so I was sitting in the grad studio at SCAD doing my work, working on Ike. And, um, and Pete and Ryan came in, and we were hanging out and talking. And then my professor walked in, and he was like, oh, Brian, I see you've met Peter Brown. He was like, you should have him look at your book. And I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> on the spot a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I was like, okay. And um, so he took a look at it and sent it to his agent, and his agent liked it. And here we are. And now Peter's one of my closest friends, so that worked out too, socially. <laughs> How nice. Okay. Yeah. So, what were some of the steps? Like, so then the agent said, I really like this. Yeah. And then what? Well, that's the, the trick with kids' books is that you, it's very rare that you get your book published without an agent. Um, without an agent, your manuscript goes into the slush pile, they call it, which is like about as organized as it sounds. Um, but with an agent, you have all these doors open where uh, the agent is kind of the first gatekeeper and they kind of curate a stable of people that whose work they like. And then they will go into the publishing companies and either in person or by email kind of promote your work and say like, this is something they're working on. We think that it would be a good match for you. So they'll kind of try to pair you up with a, with an editor. Okay. And then um, the editor is usually the one that does the um, acquiring. So they find a manuscript that they like that can either, if you're an author illustrator, it'll have some sample drawings with the manuscript. And if you're just an author, it won't have any illustrations with it. Okay. Yeah. So from the time that it went to an agent and was mm -hmm. selected, um, how long does it take typically, or did it take for your book, for your first book? Um, for my first book, it took about a year from when um, my agent is Paul Rodine. And so it took about a year from when Paul picked it up to when Candlewick said, 
hooray, we want your book. Okay. Uh, but it can go much faster than that. I don't, I don't know how it long it normally takes with okay. first books, but yeah, that's what happened with mine. Okay. Yeah. And then it was published how soon after that? Um, it, let's see. Well, that was another funny one because it, I had, you know, like finished a book basically and then had to kind of go back to square one at, with their suggestions and revisions. Okay. Um, but I think the whole process took maybe another, not quite another year altogether. And then it takes another year to actually get public or to come out into bookstores. Okay. So like I finished this book, Secret Tree Fort, in April, last April, and it comes out this coming April. This coming April. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> um, for Ike. Yeah. Uh, having it published. So tell us about what it's like. It's in bookstores. Did you yeah. do a book tour? Or did you get to talk with kids? I um, did get to talk with kids. I didn't do a book tour that the, the publishing company sent me on or anything. I would um, kind of, I'm going to get caught by the IRS telling you this, but like if I ever wanted to go on a trip, I would call up a, a bookstore <laughs> and be like, hello, I would like to read at your store. And then I'd be like, writing off this trip. <laughs> so, we didn't hear that. <laughs> we didn't hear that. But yeah, it, it was great. I, um, bookstores are really happy to have you because you're free and you help sell their books and you're kind of like a hour-long babysitter for <laughs> kids. Uh, and then schools are great too. I um, I was able to do a bunch of school visits with TCAPs last, when was that? In the spring. Yeah, March maybe? Yeah, it was, the weather was a little iffy. Yeah. Yeah. February, maybe? Yeah, somewhere in there. Could have been a range. The weather was iffy, so that's see, November, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could be any time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's wonderful. The kids uh, provide a lot of good feedback, and you get to see, like, what they respond to and what they're interested in. It's cool. Do you have any, um, like, best quotes you heard from kids along the, along the way about your book or funny questions, <sighs> anything that sticks out? Uh I got, well, when I first started, God, hats off to teachers. I, like, knew nothing about crowd control and, like, what questions you could ask kids and whatnot. Like, <laughs> like you can't just be like, how are you? Because they'll be like, I'm going to a birthday party and there's a swimming pool and they'll just, like, start telling you stuff. Yeah. And so I had, that was actually my very first reading is a kid raised his hand and said, I'm going to a birthday party. That's like, <laughs> I don't know what Back to, to say. The book. Anyway, and, um... Let me see. I, uh, at the end of our of the presentations, I draw a rocket with the kids, and I like to tell them that they can that I'm gonna draw Ike inside of the rocket, but that they can draw whoever they want. And I had a little kid tell me that they were putting their grandma in, in the rocket to the moon. They're like, I'm gonna send my grandma to the moon. <laughs> so, Don't know what had happened with that grandma? Yeah. So they yeah they say some pretty some pretty great stuff. Yeah. I've also been really blown away with um. Like on the other end of things, kids being like, "So how do I get an agent? <laughs> What's the difference between self-published and a published book?" And it's like, who are These you? Are most likely little kids, right? I mean, some of those, um, some of those questions came from like fifth graders, but, but I was still, really impressed that they even needed to ask still, those questions. Yeah. Yes, good for that. Yeah. Well, when you were young, mm -hmm. did you write for fun and did you illustrate books for fun? Yeah, yeah, I did. I um. Actually, when I was in probably third grade, 
Our old mission did a program where you could write a book in the library, would bind it and have like put a barcode on it and have it in the library and anybody could check it out. So that was really inspiring. I got to do that. Do you remember what you wrote for that book? Yeah, it was it was a book called um, Trees Are Homes. And I distinctly remember making the cover first and then kind of just plowing my way through the rest of the book and the book kind of like taking a turn somewhere in there and like not really being about that by the time we got to the end of it. The cover was set. The cover was set. <laughs> trees are homes and it was like animals live in trees so you should recycle. Recycling's good. Boy do I like paper. Like it just kind of like wandered <laughs> off. <laughs> do you remember checking out friends books and like having friends check out your book? Do you remember having like I do remember I do remember going into the library and checking to see if anyone had checked out my book. Okay. Yeah, it's like the first version of like social media, right? <laughs> Any likes? Well, that must be an amazing experience now to see you're at to see Ike and yeah. see the Secret Tree Fort. Yeah, in it's, library, it's crazy. Like at, at, when when Ike first came out, I um. I was on a road trip and stopped at this Barnes and Noble in the middle of nowhere and found it there. Yeah. And one of my good friends lives in Anchorage and she sent me a photo of like in her local library. That's really neat. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks for donating that book to your library. And she's like, no, it was just here. <laughs> so excited. That's a really neat experience. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Um, so Secret Tree Fort comes out in April. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. It's about... It's about um, two sisters, uh, and the older sister just wants to read, and the younger sister wants to the older sister to play with her. And um, does this have any connection to your own life? Oh yeah, it's incredibly biographical. (laughs) (laughs) This is me never wanting to put down a book, (laughs) and this is my younger sister, little toehead, being very energetic and wanting to play. And we we actually, we did play together a lot as kids, and when we did play, a lot of what we did was plan tree forts or tree houses. We would uh, have drawings of like, okay, on the third floor, we'll have the observation deck, and then the slide will lead to the pool, (laughs) and we'd be like, Dad, Let's do this. <laughs> you know? Did you have a tree for it? We did. We did. It was a um, it was a box in a tree, but it did have a zip line. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. That's all you need, right? Yeah. This is a zip line. You just need a little little bit of wood in a tree, and you're all set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so illustration wise, yeah. Um, how is did you use a similar sort of process when you were working on this book? No, not at all. I um. I, I did a lot of printmaking while I was at McAllister. I had this great printmaking professor. And I somehow like, didn't even know that printmaking existed before I got there. And um, she kind of opened up this whole world and I really fell in love with it. And um, the, so I guess I think a lot of my work is informed by printmaking, but maybe by different processes. So the first book is about a blob of ink. <laughs> who can somehow get up and walk. And uh, so it's about ink and paper and craft and like making things with your hands. So I wanted it to um, be made with ink and paper. Mm-hmm. So it's it's ink line work and then uh, collaged um, paper. It's actually collaged digitally. Okay. And then this is also kind of made digitally. I, um, I drew 
the book with charcoal and pencil and on different layers, like different pieces of paper. So like the outline will be on one piece of paper and then like the texture will be on another piece of paper. And then I scan it all into the computer and color it digitally, which is a total headache. I don't know why I work like that, but (laughs) what made you choose to do it that way? Does it give you more options? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think I, I really love, um, I think like the getting the color right and the texture right is really important to me. And I like it when the, um, the color and the format of the book kind of helps you tell the story. So, uh, in this book, the younger sister is telling her older sister about this tree fort that she has that, uh, you know, as she talks, you kind of see the tree fort in the background, like growing floors and slides and a whale observation area. (laughs) And, uh, and I wanted to kind of, they're kind of interacting with an imaginary environment. And I wanted there to be some visual cue that was like, this isn't real. And this is real. And so I made this rule for myself that everything that was real would be very muted and, um, that everything was imaginary would kind of be these like technicolors and yeah so the computer let you kind of set that up and play with it definitely did you enjoy that process the um you know very different from ink from ike yeah did you enjoy doing it that way and was it um i don't know lessons maybe you learned would you do it that way again i i don't know actually that's funny that you ask i am I had a publisher contact me and ask me to just, uh, submit a sample of work. And they're like, can you make it just like how you made Secret Tree Fort? And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I guess so. Sure. Okay. <laughs> God, maybe if I was a better artist, I wouldn't need to do it that way. But it's like, I, I need to futz with it forever to be like, oh no, I made this tree dark. So then this tree has to be light. So then this part has to be more colorful. But um yeah, I don't know if I'd do it again. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely really fun to work like that. It's kind of like how you build a screen print in different oh, layers. Sure. So, yeah, I like that. I love the look of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the control, but boy, is it time consuming. Sure. Yeah. Well, the little bit I've seen of it, it is beautiful. Oh, thanks. Um, so when this book comes out, will it be the same thing? Will you visit schools again and yeah. um, maybe be at a few bookstores at some exotic locations? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love doing school visits. It's really, really fun. It's, we'll sign you up. Yeah, please. Yes. Call me. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I love doing the school visits. It's kind of the, like, opposite of sitting alone and drawing is <laughs> standing up in front of an auditorium of eight-year-olds. You know? Well, and when you mentioned that, that being alone and working, yeah. um, I know that you've been involved with 826. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about, first, what that is and what you've done? Sure. 826 okay. is an amazing organization. And I know that you said that um, the Front Street Writers is kind of a little bit mirrored off mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So 826 uh, was started by the writer Dave Eggers. Mm-hmm. And uh, the legend has it that he um, wanted to start a tutoring program in San Francisco and bought a commercial space and then was told that 
because it was a commercial space and zoned commercially, it had to sell something and it couldn't just be a tutoring center. And so he was like, great, we sell pirate supplies. <laughs> and so the front of the store sold pirate supplies and the back of the I store. Love it. it happened that way. I, yeah, I do too, that it was just this like, mm. and uh, yeah, so then they were really surprised to find out that the pirate supply section of the store kind of helped the kids like it made it this like very special space and it also helped take away the stigma of like needing after school homework assistance or like taking an extra writing class just for fun like right. a big dork like what I would do <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so it helped with that and then also it was bringing in people from the neighborhood to be like what is this place and that led to people volunteering just because they'd like walked in to see what the pirate store was about <laughs> and then the revenue from selling like a tub of lard like <laughs> help, it pays the rent on the store it's so amazing it, yeah so now it's nationwide and all of the stores have like a a front yeah. and then there's a secret tutoring center in the background so i think the one in michigan i haven't been there yet is the robot That's repair robot. shop yeah yeah and seattle is time travelers i think yeah um, there's a bigfoot one yeah yeah um what's new york New York is the superhero supply store. Very cool. Yeah. And, um, but I first got involved with the one in Chicago, which is the spy supply store. Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, the one in Chicago is so funny that it has the sign out in front that's like, nothing to see here. No need to come in. You don't need anything. And for a while they had to change it because it was like too effective. People were like, yeah, they were like, I guess I won't go in there. Uh, and so, um, did you do workshops there? Yeah, yeah, I did a, um, a comic book writing workshop there, and oh, autobiographical comic book writing—that was great. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, we did um, block printing with um, character description. So I had the kids um, make a block print of a face and they wrote a character description of it and then they all traded prints and then wrote a description about oh, someone great. else's portrait yeah that the kids really enjoyed that i hope so yeah it was a really fun activity yeah um so thinking about um working with kids and have you thought about like doing something more like that doing more workshops with kids is that an area that yeah in the future you might pursue yeah yeah, hopefully. I um that's the great part about living here now is I, I have all this extra time. I was I was working um when I first moved to New York I was working for a random house as a um well first as an administrative assistant and then as a um book designer. Okay. And then I left to do more illustration, but came. I was rehired as a freelance designer, so I was working there part time and uh and now that I live here, I can, yeah, I have a little bit more time on my hands because I'm not working at Random House. So. so right now, are you, um, do you have projects in the pipeline that you're working on? I do. Okay. I what do. can you tell us? I don't know. What am I allowed to share? I um, <laughs> So I'm working on getting my promotional uh, plan ready for a secret tree fort. Uh, you start kind of amping that up about three months out, but you have to know what you're going to do before those three months are here. And, um, and then I am signed up to do, I can tell you about this. I was signed up to do a book called, uh, Charlotte, the scientist is squished. And that's my first book that I'm just illustrating and not writing. Okay. Yeah. So where is that in the process? That is 
signed up. And sorry to interrupt you. How did you um, get connected to that book? Did the author see your work? Did you? No, that's, um, gosh, that's another book where I was like, yeah, I'm like, usually it happens this way, but I don't, that is not how it happened for me. Usually uh, an author submits their manuscript to a publishing company and then the editor buys the manuscript and then the editor and the art director work together to find an illustrator. Okay. But in this case, um, my agent represents the author and... Um, and I had told my agent that I wanted, I, I was like, I'd really like to try illustrating somebody else's manuscript. And they said, well, we've got this manuscript. Do you want to illustrate it? And we'll send it off to publishers that way. And they're like, there's no guarantee. They're like, they might drop your illustrations. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So that's how I got connected with that author. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, and, and that book will be coming out, like, is that a couple of years away? Or? That'll be coming out in spring 17. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, me too. It's, um, the manuscript is being edited right now and is with the author. And as soon as they finalize the manuscript, then I, I get a hold of it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Will you be working on that, do you think? here? Will you be back in New York or can you work anywhere? Oh gosh, I don't know. Yeah, I can work anywhere. It's great. Anywhere that has Wi-Fi and a flat surface. <laughs> okay, check. check. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, besides what you've done um, in a book format, um, where else has your art appeared? What other formats? Um, tell us about tell us about your art separate from books. Yeah, um, well, I did do a couple um, publications with, I, I did a drawing for McSweeney's and uh, for the New York Times, I did one for them. So I've done a couple editorial pieces here and there, but uh, yeah, I found that editorial is like kind of this constant, you need to keep reminding our directors that you're around. Okay. And I just, I love doing children's books so much that I'd rather spend my time doing that. That's really your love, your passion. It is. Okay. It's so great. It's like, it's like, don't tell any other illustrators, but it's like, you get to basically, you, you're, you're like free reign. You have like 32 pages to just go nuts. And uh, with editorial, it's a really, really fast turnaround. And people make beautiful stuff. I, I really have a deep admiration for editorial illustrators, but I'm, I don't work that way very well. Well, it's good to know where, what you enjoy and what yeah. works in your style. Yeah. Can anybody see your art around town? Oh, yes. Oh, the, the Little Fleet. Yeah, <laughs> yes. perhaps the Little Fleet. God, that was the best job. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I did the mural at Little Fleet, and uh, tell us about that process. How well, did you, do that? you introduced me to Allison. <laughs> well, that worked out. That really did, and Allison was so great. She um. And actually, it was so funny because they had just moved here from Brooklyn, and I was living in Brooklyn at the time. And uh, and she was like, "Oh, she sent me a couple images of what she was interested in." And she was like, "We want these like freehand kind of line drawings on our wall." And I started sending her sketches, and she was like, "Can you can, no?" <laughs> she was like, "Can you just come in and like do crazy stuff all over the wall?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, totally." And you did it. Um, tell us about like the actual process. Were people there? Oh you... yeah, yeah. They. Um, I started at eleven in the morning, so I got all set up before anybody 
came in and then I just worked the whole day and it was, yeah, there are people there and watching. And luckily I was up on a ladder with my back to everybody. So I wasn't too aware of anyone watching. That was pretty good. Yeah. And your adorable daughter was there with her friend and Nora. She does love knowing that there's a little oh balloon up there. But... It's their balloon. That's their balloon up did there. You, did you, because it looked like watching you do that, that mm-hmm. you had planned out where things would go because everything fits so nicely. Like how much pre-planning did <laughs> That's you do? smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, it looks that way, but can you just, like, did you look at the space and you were able to just, I mean, how much of that was planned ahead in your mind and how much of it just uh, happened? And I mean, I like the balloon zero happened of in the it. moment. Yeah. I, I had, um, they told me that they wanted some like goofy characters and I'd actually, uh, painted my bathroom in New York with chalkboard paint and had been actually like the week that she contacted me had filled my bathroom wall with these like crazy characters. And I sent her a photo of it and she was like, yeah, that's what we want. So I, uh, I had like kind of a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with just some doodles on it of like character ideas. Um, but all the layout stuff was just kind of done on the fly. Huh. Yeah, it was fun. It was really exhausting. Good. I think the only thing I knew going into it was that um, I wanted to have all of the characters marching in one direction because I wanted them to be like a fleet. Oh, yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I wanted to put that. There's a cherry with a face in it. Okay. Yeah, that I knew that I wanted to have up there. But. I'm gonna have to check that um we clearly have obviously such an eye and such experience um doing that were you was it nerve-wracking to do in front of people i mean you weren't looking and you had your back to people but have you ever painted like in a public setting like that no no uh you know i think i would have been you know if someone had come up to me and said will you draw my portrait that would have terrified me but the fact that she was like draw these crazy characters that you love drawing. I think that it made it fine. It's a good fit. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Did you go back and change anything? Or was it just as is? No, I, um, yeah, I, the, I think the one rule I kind of made for myself was that I would get off the ladder as often as possible so that I could step back and look at it from a distance. Okay. Um, I think that really helped, but for the most part, if I, I kind of saw how things were sitting together as I was moving from left to right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I did have a little freak out in the beginning because I wasn't really sure about the paint. The, the okay. paint was like going on the wall in this really weird way. It like it felt slimy and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah, I was like, no one told me that painting on a wall would feel different than drawing with a marker on a piece of paper. So that was your first time painting something like that, of that scale. Yeah. And that. Yeah, but now I love it. If any, yeah, I would love to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Actually, okay, we have yeah. to talk about that. I have a project. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, I, I love doing it. I, I thought it was great. Okay. Don't let me forget to talk about that. Um, okay, so switching gears a little bit, I'd love to talk about um, books and libraries in particular. Um, I mean, we touched a little bit on the book project that you did at Old Mission, but what are some of the things you remember now that you're, you know, in your career and following your passion for what you're doing and uh, looking back at 
you know, school libraries, public libraries, and books in general. I know you're a big reader and always were. Um, what are some of the experiences you remember and in what ways do you think school libraries and libraries in particular impacted you? What are some of your memories? That's such a good question. I guess um, I have really fond memories of my librarian's feet. You know how you would kind of sit? <laughs> she would sit in like a big armchair and everyone would kind of like crowd around. And I just, I remember I loved that, um, that like intimacy of like being read to mm -hmm. and, uh, and like really wanting to know what happened next. Like I remember our librarian at Central reading us The Giver and just being like, oh, when I found out that it was color that had been missing, I was like, what? <laughs> Stop everything. Uh, yeah, and um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess that, that, like, that being read to is just so special and it really brings the books to life. And, and I found... I was really surprised when I visited schools um, that told me that I was going to be presenting to first graders as well as fifth graders. It's like, I hope this presentation works for all ages. And I was really surprised by how engaged the fifth graders were, that they still love being read to and enjoy picture books and just get something totally different out of it. And Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think picture books are they hit kids at all different levels and some yeah. of them are really and and maybe not in particular yours but some are geared I mean we're really there's middle school yeah. kids and some projects that um there are picture books that are at that level I mean in the detail as well as uh what's the subject I mean some yeah. are quite mature and, yeah and, yeah um, it's um it's always thought of as for very young children, but the format is really not necessarily yeah. that way. You know, I really think that's a mistake. I actually I find myself when I talk about books trying not to say kids books. I, mm -hmm. I try to say picture books because I right. I think that a lot of them are for audiences of all ages and that um and that booksellers are making a mistake kind of mm -hmm pigeonholing what age range they can present to. I agree. And um, have you have you seen this book, um, Death, Duck, and the Tulip? No. By uh, Wolf Elbrook, I think is his name. Okay. He's a German guy. European kids' books are like crazy. They're like boobs. And so it's like there's all sorts of stuff in there. But um, it is a little bit edgier. Uh, but it's about a duck that meets death. And they kind of hang out together, and then at the end of the book, the duck dies, and that's the whole book, and it's, like, really beautiful and, and just kind of, uh, like, this is what happens. Like, sometimes things die, and it's so, it's, like, I think it would be good for... Powerful, too. Yeah, and it, it really struck me, you know, in a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really, really powerful. I think there's a lot of, yeah, it's a, I don't know, a, a good thing for kids of all ages. Well, and I, yeah, I don't think that um, kids stop needing to be or stop enjoying to be read to. After, yeah. You know, it's not, it doesn't end in fifth grade. I mean, middle no. school, even, I mean, even high school, I mean, adults. It's, yeah. Being read to is, is something that's pretty universal. Yeah. And, and yeah. impactful. It's very soothing to be read to. Mm -hmm. Even as an adult, it's, it's nice to have someone just read something out loud. And, uh, and I think that you get, um, 
you get access to, you know, like words that you might not normally hear read out loud. Like you're like, oh, it's not or's divorce, it's sorters, you know? Right. Unless you the reader to, reads it that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh yeah, I think that I think it's it's really important. And um and I think yeah, I think that there's I actually I find myself having a little bit of a hard time talking about like like what my favorite picture books are because I'm like, well, there's the books that I loved as a kid uh-huh. and then there's the books that I love now and I don't have, I don't have kids. And so like, I don't really know what it is that kids respond to. And Charlotte, who I work with at, um, mm-hmm. at Smith and Jones studio, she, brought in this whole stack she she labeled them with post-it notes and she's like these are good books these are terrible books <laughs> <laughs> did you could you like what made those terrible I, I well was it content they were boring was it yeah I mean I think some of it was I mean picture books are such a hard audience because you're appealing to a very young child and then the parent that has to read it a hundred right. times in a row right. and so I think some of them were books where her kids love them and she was like I never want to see these again. We need to lose these books. Yeah, yeah. But so I don't have that. Um, I don't know. I don't have the input of actual little kids. So I'm going off of like, this is a beautiful book. Right. I'm touched by this book. I don't know if kids would actually like it or not. Yeah. Um, so the unfair question, what were some of your favorite books as now and as a kid? And not just picture books. Like, what are some of your, you mentioned The Giver. Yeah. Um, just favorite books. I think the first book I remember being just obsessed with was The BFG by Roald Dahl. Okay. I loved that book. Um, and then I went and read everything of Roald Dahl's that I could find. Which is an amazing collection. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... Super talented. Yeah. And dark. <laughs> I love that, too. Yeah. yeah. And, uh... I think as a kid, I really, I, I really liked um, Sneetches by Dr. Seuss mm-hmm. and, uh, oh, um, Just a Dream by Chris Van Ellsberg. Oh, yeah. I think that, that probably inspired Trees Are Homes. <laughs> <laughs> Protect your environment. Uh, yeah. And what else? Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Anything by Marie Sendak, mm-hmm. like the little bear books and where the wild things are and all that stuff. Go dog go. Yeah. I recently reread that and was like, this book is brilliant. There is a lot in there. Yeah, yeah. And um and now God uh there's so much out there. Again, I'm like, I don't know if kids would like these or not, but um, Greg Pizzoli is a really great author illustrator. He just did a book about, um, I think it's called The Watermelon Seed. Okay. About a crocodile that swallows a watermelon seed. And um, let me see, Pool by, oh gosh, Ji Yoon Sun, I think is her name. Okay. And I think that that just won, uh, there's a magical place in New York called the Society of Illustrators, and it's a museum slash uh art studio that's just illustrations oh wow and, and they hold uh well they do, they do separate, several competitions throughout the year but there's the original art show is just for children's books wow. and i think that that just won the original art show that's amazing so, yeah that's a really I fun show really it's a really cool space it's like this little converted townhouse and it's got a bright red door so you feel like you're kind of Walking into a magical home. Wow. Yeah. It's great that things like that are celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. What a wonderful spot and yeah. what to celebrate that kind of creativity. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm, 
that's the, the thing I miss most about Brooklyn is that a lot of my friends there often also wrote an illustrated picture book, so they've also got some really beautiful books coming out. So, Are there titles you can share? Yeah, um, let's see. Ruth Chan has her first book coming out, which is um, Where's the Party, okay. which is about a cat that wants to throw a party, but then all of his friends are busy. Okay. And it's based on her real cat, Georgie. Okay. It's pretty great. And let's see, my friend Dasha Tolstakova uh, has this really beautiful illustrated novel coming out. I guess that's what you'd call it. It's a, it's long, but it's not really a graphic novel. So okay. It's probably like 100 pages okay. called A Year Without Mom. Oh. And that's uh, about when she grew up in Russia and her mom moved to America and she stayed in Russia for another year and then followed her mom. So it's about that year wow. when she's 13. So like a middle grade, mm -hmm. middle school. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Probably for like, um, yeah, that same age group, like 12, 13. Okay. Okay. And she's also got a couple of picture books, um, coming out the jacket she illustrated and it's like doing really, really well. It's a, it's a book about a girl who, or so I guess it's about a book who um, a girl buys the book and he's so happy to have someone who loves him. Aww. It's so cute. Yeah. I have to get these, all the names after. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, any other thoughts on um, experiences you remember, projects you did that stand out related to books or illustration in school, um, other experiences in other schools or libraries that yeah. you remember? Uh, well, yeah, I guess that, that speech probably speech, helps yes, a definitely. lot. Yeah. And, um, and the librarians and I think the, I was really lucky to be in that talented and gifted program. They had a lot of really great, like kind of interactive projects where you were encouraged to write and, and draw, um, or they would maybe give you like several options of how to complete a project, which I think is really great for kids that learn and express themselves in different ways. So Absolutely. you could either, you know, like put on a play or like make a board game. I think that's always the one that I chose. It's like draw it and yeah. make some stuff with your hands. Yeah, you could make like a little sculpture. I remember really loving my science classes because okay. of that because I liked making all the models. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Like even as a small small young learner like those things that carry through like yeah. the things that you love you know they might change but some of those things stay too yeah they're yeah. what is important to you even as an adult yeah definitely interesting to watch yeah um well are there anything is there anything i didn't ask you that you want to share i don't know not that i can think of you any ideas Okay, so the voice from the other side of the, the uh, monitor. And actually, uh, there, there are three questions I wanted to ask, if, if you have the time. Um, the first one, I was fascinated by uh, the conversation you guys had about um, picture picture books not being available, or is there something with the authors, the publishers, not making picture books for adults? And yeah. my first thought was that they're coffee table books. It's basically that's what a coffee table book, but not really because oftentimes co coffee table books don't contain a narrative necessarily. Right. They're, yeah. more, they're more nonfiction. There might be though a correlation between, especially for high school readers, that correlation between picture books and them grad and, and students that enjoy picture books graduating to graphic novels. Yeah. I mentioned graphic novels, and I wanted to know if you thought there was a connection there um, between the, the picture book and the graphic novel. 
Definitely. I think that, and I think graphic novels are really filling a, a hole that's been present in um, in the books that are available. Like that, that graphic novels aren't just like superhero graphic novels anymore, that you can get like these really beautiful um, narratives that uh, I think that this is the first year that a graphic novel won. Oh gosh, now I'm going to get it wrong. Some big literary prize was won by a graphic novel this year. For kids or adults? Um, for kids. It's like the Caldecott of, and I'm going to feel like such a dummy after I figure out what it is, but well, El, the Newberry. El I think it was the Newberry. Yeah, El, El Defo. Defo yeah. I think it was an honor. Was oh, it an right. honor? Uh, we'll have to correct this detail, yeah. but yeah, it definitely was recognized in the Newbery Awards. Yeah. And that's, that's a wonderful narrative. Yeah. And it's great. That's a great book. I should check it out. <laughs> it's a great book. In our, it's in our elementary libraries. Um, <laughs> and they're great because you can read them. Like I read it sitting in a cafe, mm-hmm. you know, like the whole thing. Just, um, our library has just received a donation from AAUW for um, the book Roller Girl. Oh, I haven't read that yet. I've heard it's, it's wonderful. Yes, and it um, wonderful messages for young girls. And um, but it was I, I'm I'm guessing it was the first time we've had from that group a graphic novel donated. Which mm-hmm. you know, there's so much more. Yeah, the quality of graphic novels has come so far. Um, but it really connects with kids, all readers. It really, um, yeah. we've seen that it really sparks kids who may or may not love to read. And then it kind of ties, you know, good kids who love to read anyway are drawn to it. But sometimes your reluctant readers, a graphic novel is less intimidating. Yeah, yeah. I know that um, I have friends that teach in the Bronx who say that the that graphic novels are this, like, huge gateway for kids that, like, might not even feel comfortable reading or maybe, right. like, um, English language learners mm-hmm. or... Yeah, it's a nice, um, it's a nice thing like that, and I think it makes it it can make like difficult topics more accessible. Absolutely. I think that like I'd rather read a history graphic novel than like read a history book. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me. Well, um, and the graphic novel, The Fun House, which yeah, is for, for adults, um, making and- so much. It's making so many waves right now, which is funny because I taught that book in my autobiographical comic book writing class for 826. Oh, did you? Yeah, I mean, we showed, um, my friend Grace and I taught the class together, and we just, we photocopied, like, one page out of a bunch of different books and showed kids, like, these are different styles of autobiographical comics. Well, and I am kind of as a segue, but I think it's now on Broadway. Yeah. It's become a play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she has another... Um, graphic novel coming out or yeah well I know that she has a lot of um I know that she has like a regular comic um like oh, a scene yeah like okay. a series okay but I think that it kind of predates fun home but I don't know I don't know what her next book is well and that was you know for for example like my mom's book group read you know it, it was the first time I think a lot of people were exposed to a graphic novel yeah and it, it just it's come so there's just just so much more at every level yeah and um and that's an example of amazing illustrations and amazing narrative as well yeah yeah i was uh i really lucked into a great class in at McAllister. my first class was called superheroes oh. and it was uh it was an english class that 
we studied um, graphic novels and then books about graphic novels and then books oh. about superheroes. So like Frankenstein and Orlando, like these kind of like superhuman people uh-huh. in literature. But it that was my fascinating. Oh, it was great, and it was my first exposure to like critical discussion about a graphic novel. I think it was the first time I'd ever read a graphic novel. We read Watchmen, okay, and we read. Um, Dylan Horrocks, uh, what is it called? Hicksville. It's a great book. Okay. And it's about New Zealand, and I ended up studying abroad in New Zealand. And then I came back and read it again and was like, it's so cool because it's about the, um, I mean, it's about a guy who loves comic books, but it's also about uh, the kind of mythology of New Zealand and like Captain Cook discovering New Zealand and his interaction with like the Maori people that were there already and their legend of how New Zealand came to be and it's like you learn all this stuff and you you don't even don't know. I'm gonna have to go back through this tape. I spend way too much time with books. Like I don't know anything in real life. There's something else we said, but I'm I'll remember. So I, I didn't recognize or didn't realize that the graphic novel question was going to just. You know, <laughs> I love graphic novels, and I don't. And I don't even love them as many as much as most people do. Like I'm no like connoisseur, but I do know that they're like. I think they're incredibly underappreciated right. and should just be like thrown out like confetti. Yes. I mean, I think yeah. Getting and as an illustrator, you know, there, there's a whole. I'm a little biased. Well, there's a whole other conversation about um, how you relate. To to not only the, the pictures um, specifically as an artist, but also um, how you would tell your stories uh, um, in a picture book as opposed to a graphic novel, and vice versa. But those are the questions that I want to ask because that, that'll you know <laughs> the, we'll much longer. Um, and I think you know the, the idea is to kind of keep this under an hour, and we're getting close to an hour. So um, oh God, I, <laughs> I love talking about me. So uh, what I wanted to maybe maybe close with, if, if Stephanie doesn't have any more any more questions, um, are two questions. One is, um, what is the most important thing? And I'm putting you on the spot here, and I recognize this. Uh, what is the most important thing you believe you learned from a teacher? Uh, <laughs> I have no clue. You know. Actually, I guess because we're talking about, like, uh, learning styles. Because I think that's where, that's kind of what we were going for with graphic novels, is that, like, that's someone's learning style. They learn better Absolutely. with that. I, I also think it's important to do the learning style that you're not good at. And uh, I, so when I was in, let's see, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, so at TAG, we had to um, every week give a science report out loud in front of the entire class and that's like my deepest fear like they're like it's like do you would you rather be buried alive or give a report in front of a class <laughs> and uh and i think that that was incredibly helpful to kind of just like stand up there and um just get used to it i think the, like those communication skills are super helpful in every single part of your life going forward so I, I don't know if I would say that they taught me to like face my fears or if they taught you that you can just like practice something and get good at it. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that, uh, persistence is more important than natural ability. Absolutely. Yeah. So then when you have 250 first through fifth graders staring at the gymnasium. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I was terrible. My first couple of presentations, I was like, Bill. <laughs> 
it looked very polished. Everyone I uh, ever saw. Thank you. <laughs> That's not through natural ability. <laughs> it was through like going home and being like, okay, I need to redo my entire PowerPoint presentation, which I think is something that like is probably the most important part about when kids go to those presentations is like seeing like that there's this like huge leap between where they are and like where they'll be as an adult and that you can kind of be like I was really bad at these things right and then you just do them a lot and then you're good at them like like I have friends who are like you're such a better drawer than I am and I'm like you're such a better lawyer than I am <laughs> they're like well I went to school for that I'm like I did too <laughs> like that's it's not magic you just keep trying it well and 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 wanting to keep trying yeah have the love for it yeah yeah and that's i mean this segues too but having kids especially local like when you talk to old mission or when you talk to other schools in our district to, for them to say she went like she sat here she yeah. was in my school being a kid here and yeah. then she's really doing the thing that i'm wanting to do and yeah. i think that is incredibly powerful for kids yeah and i i actually don't remember this i, I vaguely remember it but i a cartoonist came to old mission when i went there and i guess i came home from that author visit and my and told my mom that i wanted to be a cartoonist really? was just like super inspired by it yeah I like vaguely remember this guy coming, but yeah, I think that that has a huge impact on kind of, yeah, just like opening up the scope of, of like what you think is possible as a kid. Yeah. And I think the libraries play a role in that. Yeah. In experiences for kids. Oh, definitely. Bring the world in and, and, and through books too. Like all these new worlds for kids. Yeah. And it it opens you up to um, the things that you might not naturally seek out. Mm -hmm. Like, I just went to our library in Woodmere the other day and was looking for books about Matisse and came home with a book about Danish chairs because it was like sitting out on a table and I was like, ooh, chairs. Yeah. But that's what's like so magical about libraries is that you're like, you know, it's all just there Mm -hmm. and you might kind of wander into something that you weren't looking for and and that the librarians are these like incredible gatekeepers who are just, I don't know. Way smarter than I am, but. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we hope the libraries are doing is you know opening up all these possibilities, yeah. And that's um something that like the internet can't replace. Is mm-hmm. yeah, I, I went, I visited an elementary school where the librarian stands in the hallway and she has like hand picked out books for certain kids, and as she sees them walk by, she'd be like this book is yours and this book is for you. I love that. Yeah, it was really cool. I'm sure that they felt really special and... Absolutely, yeah. and knowing your readers, you know, yeah. that connection. Yeah. Yay. So, last question. Yeah. And it, it ties in exactly... I'm segueing your segue. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give a student um, interested in pursuing a career in publishing? So, you inspired one of those one of those. Kids. I hope you like ramen noodles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You will not be rich. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, I guess just what we've been talking about is that, um, that, that of course, you have a natural interest in certain things, but that, um, but that persistence will get you way farther than any, um, like, ability you may have, like, out of the gate. Um, and that... Uh, 
Neil Gaiman gave a, a speech that I think about all the time where he said that you only have to be two of three things. You either have to be talented, pleasant to work with, or on time. And he was like, but you only have to be two of those. He's like, if you're pleasant to work with and on time, you don't have to be that talented. It's really so, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can, I think that that's what kids should know is that they, um, yeah, that there's a something really something to be said for persistence and and uh pleasantness and and hard work and yeah